Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. And uh, whether you're joining us online or you're in person here, it is so great uh, to have each one of you uh, worshiping with us. Before we jump in, if you want to turn for, to 1 John 4, that's where we're going to be uh, this morning. But before we jump in, if you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, uh, something you should be noticing is that more and more people are coming back to church, which is awesome. Uh, and it's great to have everyone here, absolutely. But with that uh, comes some challenges as well. And so the last couple of weeks, we've had uh, some really capacity uh, services, the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock service, uh, predominantly during the 11 o'clock service. And so um, we're, we're going to be, you'll be hearing some more about some stuff coming up where we may be going back to adding more services in order to continue to uh, be able to fit everybody and keep people distanced from one another to be able to join us to worship together. And so here's some more about that in the next couple of weeks, but... I'm making a request of all of you different than the next service. I'm requesting that next service or next week you come back to this service. Can you do that for me? If you're coming to church, can you come back to this service? Uh, the reasoning being is next week is family Sunday. So all the kiddos are going to be in church service with us, not downstairs in in the kids area and so with that is going to be adding a lot more people into our service especially our 11 o'clock service which is very close to capacity already so i'm going to be inviting the 11 o'clock service for some of them to come to this service but i'm asking all of you to just stay at this service can you do that for me uh, that'd be gratefully helpful uh, next week and then You'll be hearing some more about uh, kind of opening up the doors in more services to be able to invite more people back and with that you're going to hear us asking you for some help for us to be the church that serves one another so that we can actually worship together. And so you'll hear more about that in the coming days. But we're in First uh, John chapter 4 this morning. We've been over the last number of weeks learning to love again, uh, a forgotten virtue. We wanted to start off the year, if you just joined us online or first time back, uh, starting in First John, remembering what God has called us to in love that we are dearly loved, as we even see this morning, and that we're called to love our brothers and our sisters and the world around us in a very unique way, in the way that God calls us to. And so we've been over the last number of weeks looking at First John in some real ways and seeing how God is challenging us to learn to love again, that maybe we forgot a little bit of what it looks like to love in the last year with the craziness of everything being pitted at one another over the last year. And so We've been tracking uh, through 1 John, and today we're in 1 John 4. And when I looked at 1 John 4, it reminded me of um, kind of my experience of, of being a father and being a, a father of daughters that play soccer. Uh, I love my daughters to play travel soccer. It keeps us very, very busy. In the next three months, my one daughter alone has four tournaments outside of the state. And uh, it, it's going to be awesome and fun. I love every minute of it. I love going to all of our games. It's just fun to be able to cheer them on. And see them experiencing what they love. And um, it's amazing to watch, like, as they go out and play, play soccer, when they're out there and they're doing amazing. It's something inside of you that's super profound. And you see it in other areas, too, whether they act good. And, and maybe you go over to someone's house for dinner and they actually act like they're supposed to. You're like, yes, that's my kid. 
Like, yes, that is my kid. That's awesome. Like, this is so great. And you, you love cheering them on and being part of it. You also see different elements of your own identity in your kids. As, a, as we've talked about this before, it just is amazing to watch. I love looking at people's kids and being like, that is dad and you are mom, just by the way they look and the way they act and the way that they function. And it reminded me of our passage today as we look at uh, the love of God for us and how we can actually understand and experience the love of God. What we're going to see is a few things this morning, how we understand the love of God and how we experience the love of God uh, as followers of Jesus. And it made me think because we are what? Oftentimes in the first John, we're called little children for a number of reasons that we are actually the people he's writing to our children, like spiritual children uh, of the writer, but also that we are children of God. And so when we think about God and the love of God, we are his children. It's almost as if God's out there watching us living out first John, what we're called to. And I hope that God is looking down being like, that's my kid. Yes. Man, the way you responded on social media, that's my kid. The way you responded to someone in this way, that's my kid. The way you responded to your spouse, that's my kid. And so even... It's interesting, this morning, before we even get started, I wonder if God is looking down and he's been looking and watching your life over the last year with all the times we've had to not love people. Is God looking down and being like, that's my kid? Or is God being like, it don't look like me. Uh, I would have not done that, Jim. Um, I would have definitely done that. Differently, because as children of God, it's interesting that we should look like God. And what is God? Well, we're going to see this morning in our text that that's what I want you to leave here with, that God is love. And we see that directly from our text this morning, that God is love. It's not just something, as we'll see in a moment, I want to jump ahead. It's not just something that he's good at. It's who he is. That God is love. Love, And we're just going to see three ways that we can understand and experience genuine love through actually the Trinity of God, which is revealing itself in our text this morning. So let's just read the first couple of verses in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So the first thing we see in our text that actually love begins with the Father. That he says very clearly, let us love one another for, the love, for love is from God. God is love. And so love in the beginning is from the Father. It's who he is. And we've talked about this a number of weeks. We're going to look at it for a moment. I just want to look at two words or phrases in the text, in this text, in these two verses, where it starts off by saying, beloved. Like, beloved, which means dearly loved. So he's writing to them and saying, man, this is who you are. Like, dearly loved children, beloved. Just remember who you are. I love that because here's the thing. He's specifically identifying them as followers of Jesus. He's not saying, like, those of you who might be dearly beloved. No, he's saying beloved. 
Pastor Steve reminded us of this a couple of weeks ago. Steve's early when he was preaching, and he said that oftentimes you'll see in, in, in all of the epistles, when you read in the beginning, read the beginning of Ephesians, and all of the epistles of Paul, where he starts out by saying, hey man, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are in Christ. He goes to great lengths to express, man, this is who you are. Romans. Go first 11 chapters. He's like, man, this is who you are, and this is what you have in Christ. And then something switches in Romans chapter 12. Now, I beseech you, I beg of you, brothers, to live a certain way. He doesn't say, like, man, this is how you should be living. Now live like that. No, he reminds them of their identity. He says, man, this is who you are. Remember who you are in Christ. Now, in light of that, actually live out your real identity. Stop being a false person because this is really who you are. And he's starting out here the same way. saying, man, beloved, you are loved. You are, you are loved of God. This is who you are. Maybe someone today just needs to be reminded that you are loved of God. That as a follower of Jesus, you are dearly loved. And out of that, God calls us to live in light of that identity that we've been saved by the grace of God. We've been, been, been distinctly placed in a separate category. See here, uh, John is declaring that love is a found, foundational posture of the hearts of believers because it's a divine nature of God himself. He's saying that it should be a posture of our heart. It should be a foundational place of who we are because it's who God is. It's actually who he is. Can I just say this, that oftentimes the lack of knowledge of God is always the root cause of the lack of love. The lack of knowledge of God is the lack of, of love that we express with other people. I'll tell you, man, I don't know how you can read the Bible. You can be in the word of God day in and day out and then not love people around you. How can we read all throughout scripture? The whole narrative is the fact that God loved us so much. He came after us and he gave his life for us. But then I have the audacity to treat my wife or my neighbor or whoever I feel like in a certain category. You see, knowledge about God impacts how we actually function on God's behalf. And oftentimes, the lack of love in my life is a direct result of the lack of knowledge of God or expressed or, or, or intimate knowledge of God. You see, then he says this beautiful phrase in between the, that God is love. God loves both his people and his creation with perfect love. Can I just tell you, the apostle, when he's writing... The Apostle John is not simply making a statement about quality that God possesses, a quality. He's actually talking about who he is. He's not saying, like, God has love. God can show love. No, he's saying God is love. It is who he is. It's part of his character. At the heart of who God is, he's a loving, amazing, beautiful God. And maybe you grew up in a Christian realm or world that was opposite. He was a condemning God. And every time you drove down the road, you thought or prayed or hoped that God wasn't going to flip your car over because you sinned two days before. No, God is a loving God, so much so that he came after us and he loved us. It's Jesus who is our visible proof that God is Love that the Father, the love of God begins with the Father. Now, what's fascinating to me is that we live in one of the most Christian educated 
periods of time in the world that's ever existed. I mean, we have more books, more resources, more theological writings, more Bibles, more YouTube pastors, more podcasts, more, more than any other time in human history, we've had easier access to the word of God, to the knowledge of God, to, to being encouraged by God. But what's fascinating to me is that we still struggle with understanding the love of God. We still struggle putting in practice. If there's one thing that this, this last year has taught me, watching Christianity, I'm not saying as a whole, people I know all over the country, maybe even the world, but Christianity needs to take a deep, profound look at what it means to express the love of God. Christianity needs to take a deep and profound look at it, what it looks like to follow in the ways of Jesus to love the world around us. He says, beloved, you're loved of God. You are beloved. Now live that out with people around you. You know how to do it because you've experienced it in God's name. You've already experienced it through Christ Jesus. And I wonder if there's not some people here, people are watching, that maybe the reason why some people really struggle with sharing and expressing the love of God is they, re they really struggle with receiving the love of God. Like, I, I know that God loves me. You tell me that all the time. People tell me that, Jim, but I don't know if I can believe that myself because I know who I am. Can I tell you, I'm overwhelmed by that all the time. Like, this Sunday, I'm sitting right there and I'm singing, we're singing how great, how great is your love. And I'm overwhelmed because I know who I really am. You don't know who I really am. I know who I truly am. And then I'm like, Lord, I'm going up there and I have to teach all these people things that I even wrestle with myself but I'm so overwhelmed that the grace of God meets me right there because I'm overwhelmed because the love of God is overwhelming. How great is the love of God. This morning, even before I stand up and teach you, I had to remind myself that I am beloved of the Father. And today, maybe you need to just hear that today, is that you are so loved by God. What we come to next is that God gave his only actual son so that you could experience the love of God. That's what he continues with as we understand and experience the love of God. He says that love is personified in the son, Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 9. In this love of God was made manifest among us. In verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, that he came to give us life. And in this love, not that we have loved God, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Like that's a $5 word, propitiation. He came to satisfy God, to appease God, of the righteous judgment that he was going to pour on us, Jesus satisfied. That's what it means. That he appeased 
God, so love is personified actually in the Son. So what does love look like? When you read this passage, you can just ask yourself, man, what does that love look like? If I was to draw a picture of what love looks like uh, so that I could actually express it, here we get a definition of what love looks like. Jesus is the visual representation of the love of God for his people. Jesus, his only son. You can actually say here that he is his beloved son. What's fascinating and it twists our mind is that God gave his beloved only son so that you and I could be his beloved children. He exchanged Christ for me. That I could become his beloved child. And he declares, there's some beautiful truths here, that God sent his son intentionally Man, it wasn't as if, like, there was no other way. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in heaven. And they're looking down. They're like, man, humanity is really messing up. And they're like, man, what are we going to do? Well, I guess, Jesus, you got to go down there, dude. Like, it's on you. you got to go down there and die for them. Like, it's almost like God's, like, it was God's arm twisted. Like, okay, I'll do it. I have to do it. Or, no, we know from even scripture that Jesus says he willingly came. He didn't come and he wasn't, his life wasn't taken from him. No, he came and gave his life personally just for us. And the father sent his only beloved, amazing son, not begrudgingly or dragging his feet because he loved us. He loved us that much, selflessly self-sacrificing the ultimate picture of love for humanity is the Father sending his Son to redeem us. I heard someone once say this. I've never forgotten it. Anybody go to Costco? Amen. You're my people. Although there's no snacks anymore, so that's really upsetting because that was one of the main reasons I used to go with my wife, but... Uh, Costco's great, right? Or any grocery store for that matter. And I heard someone once say that to picture what Christ did for us, if I went to Costco and I wanted a box of cereal, but I don't know if they sell boxes, like a whole pallet. So if I wanted a pallet of cereal and I got to the line and my debit card wasn't working because they don't take credit card for some reason, um, and it wouldn't work, and I have nothing to give them. I can't pay, but I really want this cereal. And um, I have my firstborn with me, my daughter Addison with me. And, um, well, they're like, well, we can't give you the cereal because uh, you have to pay for it. And I'm like, well, I don't have any money. My card's not working. They're like, well, so unfortunately, we can't give you the cereal. And I'm like, well, I really want the cereal, so you can have my daughter. Right? It's audacious. It's stupidity, right? Yeah, you can have my firstborn. Because a box of cereal is worth that. Now, it's funny, but in the grand scheme of things, that's exactly what God did for us. He gave up his only son for me that has maybe the worth of cereal. But in God's eyes, I was worth dying for, coming after giving his only son, that it's beautifully pictured. So what does love look like? Then when you just read the passage, true love, if you want to look what the definition of true love is, it's willing. 
When you look at this passage right here, it's willing. It's not begrudgingly. So when we leave here, it's not like, man, Jim told me that we need to learn to love again from the scripture. So I guess I have to love my neighbor who's of this political party. So I guess I'll do it. Because if I don't, God's going to be upset at me. And then I'm not going to like get a bonus next year. So I like have to do it. No, it's willingly. Because what happens is when we truly experience the love of God, we can but do nothing else but love other people because that is what we've experienced. It's not just willing. It's also giving life. That Jesus, did you, did you read that in the text? We forget about this. Jesus didn't just come to give me like, Ugh. he came to give me life. He says in the text, God sent his son to the world so that he might, we might live through him. That when I'm loving people and when I live in what God has called me to love the world around me and people around me, it brings life. It's not just something like, eh, it actually is life-giving. Not only that, it's willing, it's life-giving, and it doesn't, um, it doesn't, um, it doesn't love back. A prerequisite to loving people is not that they love you back. It says in our text, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son. So many times we grab the world's definition of things and read them into the scriptures. Jesus on the cross never said, Father, forgive them if they will apologize. Father, forgive them if they will humble themselves. He said, Father, forgive them while they're spitting on him, mocking him, and crucifying him, for they know not what they do. Showing the love of God does not have a prerequisite that people actually love you back. No, actually, it's the opposite. It's costly. That's the last thing I see in our text, is it's costly. He loved us so much, not that we were loving him, and sent his son to be our substitute for our sins. That the love of God is personified in the son of God, Jesus. It's costly. The loving and following Jesus is costly. I don't know what kind of Christendom that you went into, but Christendom that is just easy, healthy, and wealthy is not the Christendom that I see in scripture. Christendom I see in scripture is costly, it's risky. It's open to things, following God in, in danger even. It's, it's much different than oftentimes we're told and we hear every single Sunday in maybe certain places. All I'm saying is what does that look like for you in your life? If you just go through those things real quick, what does it look like, look like for you to be willing? What does it look like to you to bring life to people, to, to love people who are maybe never going to love you back? And what does it look like to be costly and people around you? So just go through the elements of people that you have relationship. What does it look like for you to be willing to love your 
your spouse even though they're not going to love you back? What does it look like for you to be willing to come alongside of someone at work that disagrees with you and they drive you up the wall because how could they believe that way? I don't know how they could believe that way, but you enter into the relationship and you love them despite what they look like, what they believe, or where they are. And it might cost you being right in an argument to love someone. What does that look like for you and your neighbors, your family, your loved ones, your spouse? Because the love of God is personified in the Son of God. And then lastly, understanding and experiencing the love of God, that the love is perfected through the Spirit of God, as we see in the final verses. He starts by reminding them again, beloved, this is who you are. Excuse me. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, right? He's just reiterating what he's already heard. Man, like if God loved us and it was costly and it was willing and all things, we ought to be doing that to one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So, so John wraps up this whole thing with this closing argument that God's love, listen to me on this, God's love is not only, it's both the reason we should love others, but it's also the resource for us to love others. That, that I'll say it again, that God's love is both the reason we should love others, because we've experienced it, we're God's children, but it's also the resource in us to love others. It's the reason and the resource. Man, it's the resource of the down payment of the Spirit of God that dwells in you today, believer. If you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, enabling you to be able to love those around you well. God's love, and he dwells in us to empower us. We're empowered to love the world around us. Whether you think you are or not, if the Spirit of God lives in you, he's dwelling in us. Therefore, love should flow out of the Spirit of God living in us. According to John, no one's ever seen God. But I think God does get seen in certain ways when we follow God's commands. I don't know if a number, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, we did uh, something at the church called Move Out. And we do it a couple times now still, sometimes once or twice a year, where we go out of the church and we try to go out into certain areas of the community and serve people in the name of Jesus. People that need it, come alongside of them, love on them, even, even widows and others in our church that need help. And it's just an amazing time. And I remember two years ago, we did it all over the 14 campuses, went out Metro Detroit, just serving the community around us, raking leaves, doing all kinds of different stuff. And there was a story of an elderly woman who's a shut-in who needed help, wasn't able to like take care of her lawn or, or the weeds around the house and things just were overgrown. And so a team of Woodsiders went there and as they were leaving, they went to the door just to knock on the door and just say, hey, thank you so much. Pray for her. Hey, can I pray for you? And just say, hey, thank you for allowing us to serve you. It's been great and we hope you have an amazing day. And a woman said, something and it's profound she said I don't go to church but if I do I go to your church because you're so kind right because no one's ever seen God yet through sacrificial acts of love the world should be able to see God at work while God is spirit 
There's a reason why we're called the body of Christ. Why we say these Christian cliches, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Because the way in which we are living every day should be evidence of the God we serve. We should be like the body of Christ walking about here on earth so that the world can see and experience the love of God. Man, I'll tell you this. It should be easier for you to love the world around you than the world to love you back because you are enabled with the spirit of God inside of you that's helping you love the world around you. Man, I ask this morning that all of us in this moment, as we leave this play, pray and ask the spirit of God. Um, I feel as though many times in many different sects of Christianity, the spirit of God is like the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity. And I actually say that with the utmost respect. We love the Father, we love the Son, the Spirit of God. It just we, we talk about him like he's an essence or something, and he scares us a little bit because he might cause me to, you know, just do something. The Spirit of God is a person of the Trinity. And he dwells in you if you know Jesus. And he is there, as Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you someone who is greater than I. And he is a helper to help us follow Jesus. May we be people that call on the spirit of God in us. Empower me today, Lord, to actually live this out, to do this. Because, man, in my own flesh, I've just been living in my own flesh. Maybe that's the problem, that most of your Christian life, you've never actually called the Spirit of God to walk with you. You've just been like, yeah, I know he's there, but... Uh... And I'm trying to do it in my own strength. And the whole time the Spirit of God is just over, you're like, you done yet? You ready? You want to do this? That we might fulfill what God has called us to do. The love of God begins with the Father. It's personified in the Son, and it's perfected. It's made complete through the Son, through the Spirit of God. And I just want to encourage you this morning. I remember as I opened, I told you how my daughters play soccer. You know, sometimes you're on the field, and you're like, yes, that's my kid. I'm always like that. Until they ask you not to come back to games so you can't yell as much. Um, there's some games where your kid comes off the field and they're just kind of like, tears start flowing. Like, Dad, I, I didn't do good today. Like, I missed that shot or whatever, and I, I feel like I let my team down or whatever, right? And what's amazing is, is as a dad and a mom, you love them the same no matter what, right? It doesn't matter. And they come off that field, and you put your arms around, you love them, and you say, you know what, it's fine. You have another game next weekend, and there's always another day. It's totally fine. We can do this. And you love on them in that moment. And I feel as though the Spirit of God led me to the same place today, where oftentimes maybe you've been through a season over the last year where you're coming off the field, and you're like, man, you don't know if God's looking down going like, that's my kid because of the way that you have not shared or experienced the love of God, maybe with someone in your household, your family, a neighbor, a coworker, or whatever. And today, God, as we come off the field, says, man, it's okay. I love you the same. You're still my child. You're beloved. And today, we got another game tomorrow. Let's start again. 
because I don't want to meet you there. I want to walk with you again. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.